Let's pray together. Father, we are just so grateful for your love and the fact that we can, again, come here every week and just remember why we do life, what's most important. So, Father, I pray that you lead us in the way that you would have us go and that we would give our lives fully to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So when Jesus came to earth, he said a lot of things, but the one kind of recurring theme was when he describes the reason why he came. He said, I've come not so that you could live life as usual, but so that when you live, you could live life to the fullest. You could live what he describes as an abundant life. And this morning we're going to kind of do a little bit of self-evaluation. And one of the questions is, if you were to take an honest look at your life right now, how would you describe it? Would you describe it as, you know, you're just kind of getting by? It's just kind of life as usual and you're just doing the daily grind, just trying to survive? Or can you say that you are living this abundant life? Well, if we're not, like, how do we get unstuck? How how do we get freed up so that we could live this kind of full, great life that Jesus promises? So that when we come to the end of our life and we look back, we can look back at our life and we can say, I really, really lived. Morning, y'all. Happy Sunday. We, uh, we are in the middle of a series entitled Stuck, because I feel like if we're honest with each other, that's where a lot of us are, is stuck. And I think that the hardest thing to do when you're stuck is to get unstuck. And so... That's why we're having some conversations about that. And so last week we talked about getting unstuck from our past, and which is critical, I think, moving forward you know, in any category of our life. Um, but today we're going to talk about how to get unstuck spiritually, and we're going to do that really as kind of to do kind of a self-evaluation of where we're at and where we want to be. You know, Westridge is a pretty unique place. Uh, It's like no other church that I've really ever seen or been a part of. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that so many people here who have come to God have really done it from scratch. And by that I mean there was nobody in your house that was kind of leading you to a place of giving your life to Jesus. And there was nobody kind of sitting down and teaching you the Bible and, you know, what this Christianity thing is all about. You might have come from a religious background, but for most of us, that means that, you know, our family went to church on Christmas and Easter and maybe baptism of some, uh, somebody's friend or, you know, some special occasion, but nothing that was kind of who we were as a family growing up. And so, 
you know, when we're kind of coming to God like that, other than what you hear maybe on a Sunday morning, you're trying to figure it out on your own. And so what happens is a lot of us kind of get into a place where we feel like Christianity is really about coming to church on a Sunday morning, right? And I think that, I mean, the great thing about Westridge is that we really enjoy coming to church on a Sunday morning because it's a, it's a great place to be and we all look forward to it and it's pretty fantastic. But there's a lot of us who really don't kind of get that the, the Christian faith really goes beyond the Sunday morning experience into, you know, what I would describe as the everyday life. And so while Christianity has become a part of our lives, that's really kind of just it. It's just a part. You know, other than what we do on Sunday morning, we don't give it a lot of thought or investment. It doesn't come up in everyday life. And it certainly isn't something that we're, like, passionate about. I mean, again, we might really enjoy coming to church on a Sunday morning, but it's not kind of driving our life. And when we look at what the Bible promises, what Jesus promised, that we could have this abundant life, that we could have this great life, it, it... forces us to kind of look at and evaluate how how do we do that? You know, how do we get to that place? Because what Jesus describes is something really that I want. Uh, In 1 Peter, I think it kind of takes a whack at it. 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, um, it says this. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He's talking to people who are believers here, right? God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. So you came out of darkness and into his wonderful life. For once, you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received the mercy of God. So there's a lot in that passage, and actually at Westridge we build a lot of our theology off of those two little verses But um, for now, what I'd really like to focus in on is what I think that passage seems to indicate is that spiritual growth in our lives is a process. Or maybe it's more accurate to describe it as a movement where we move from darkness, right, into the light of God. We move from once not having been a people to now being God's people. We once were in a place where we did not receive God's mercy, His forgiveness, His grace, but now we receive the mercy of God. All that, that kind of descriptive phrasing, really points to the fact that there is a process that we go through where we move from one place to another in order to become the people of God. Or another way to say that, to become fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. And This is a process that you choose. This is not something that's forced on you. This is not something that somehow miraculously occurs as we sit here on a Sunday morning and bam, you know, all of a sudden we've moved from one place to another. This really requires a conscious decision where we make a decision to move forward and to live our lives intentionally in God. Where we move from a life that is without God, into a life that is with God. And while it's our job as a church to assist you in that process, we can't do it for you. 
We can give you the tools that you need to grow spiritually. We can lead you. We can teach best we can. We can try to inspire you about that. But the only person who can do it for you is you. You are the only one who can move your life. And this is the idea where we move from being what I'm going to describe as a Sunday morning Christian to where church is pretty much the full extent of our faith to this idea that following Jesus is way bigger than that. It's about the way that we live, the decisions that we make, the life that we choose seven days a week. I would describe spiritual growth like this, that it is the lifelong development of our inner self where the purpose of our life is kind of slowly over time becoming more and more about being like Jesus. And so what I want to do today is I want to lay out a framework of a spiritual life for you. And I want to be careful about this because I'm not the guy, the pastor, who believes that there's like a line in the sand and one minute you are not a Christian and the next minute you are. Like somehow you stepped over a line and bam, you were miraculously a Christian. I'm not the guy who can sit up here and say, okay, you do these things and you're going to become a great Christian. I, I, I really don't buy into that. I don't read that. I really see that it's kind of this process that happens over time that's very messy and dynamic, and it's certainly not linear, and um, it's something that's a lot of work that occurs over a long period of time. But so what, what I want to do is to create this, to look at this framework more as a way to paint a picture for us to say, you know what, I'm probably right here, and where I really want to be is right here. So you can identify yourself as to kind of where you're at and maybe where you want to be, and I want to start out by doing that by looking at a survey that we took um, a couple years ago as a church, there were several hundred of us that participated in the survey. You may remember this. It was called the Reveal Survey. We've, we've done it twice now, I think. And we, we responded to questions that focused in, in part at least, as to where we were at spiritually. And the survey revealed the following statistics about the people of Westridge because it broke it down, it broke faith down into four different stages. And people had to respond and say, yeah, I'm here, or I'm here, or I'm there. So as we go through these four, just kind of in your head, listen to what this stage is, each stage is about, and just kind of identify yourself and say, okay, I'm here. Okay? So the first stage was called exploring Christ. And this is, you know, the indicative phrase that they use to respond to say, this is where I'm at, is when you say, I believe in God, but I'm not sure about this whole Jesus thing. My faith is not yet a significant part of my life. Okay? So you believe in God. You know it's important. You may come to church on a Sunday morning, but it's not this significant part of my life, and the Jesus thing is not, you know, we we have some issues with that. So exploring Christ would be the first kind of category. And in our church a couple years ago, there were 15% of us that said we were in this particular category. The next category is where the largest number of us were. It's called growing in Christ. This is where you say, I believe in Jesus, and I'm working on what it means to get to know him. In other words, you're kind of admitting and saying, I'm a work in progress. 
I haven't really kind of done the hard work yet, but I'm kind of in the beginning stages of it. And there were about 46% of Westergers that said, yeah, this is where I'm at. The next category is that we would describe ourselves as being close to Christ. You would say, I feel really close to Jesus and depend on him every single day for guidance. And there are about 25% of us that put ourselves into this category. And then the last one, this was kind of the big dog, right? This is kind of the the whole thing. This is like, I am Christ-centered. My relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship in my life, and it guides everything we do. And we kind of fell off here, and we were at about 14% of us that said, yeah, I'm in this category. And so what we discovered about Westridge is that about 71% of us fit into these middle two uh, categories, right? And... um, And this was two years ago, so maybe we've moved up, you know, a few percentage points. But I would say that it's still pretty indicative of of who we are as a church. One of the cool things about it is that, you know, especially in exploring Christ, where we had 15%, that's like double the national average, where, you know, people don't normally in that category don't feel comfortable in a church. So for people to feel comfortable coming to Westridge and exploring their faith like that in a church environment... That's really cool. So we felt like that was a really great thing. But for the most part, 71% of us were in the middle two categories, which means that most of us love God. We have a strong desire to follow Jesus. We know it's the right thing to do. We know this is what we want in our lives, but we fall short. Right? We just haven't got to the place where we want to make our entire life driven by our faith. My guess is a lot of us are stuck here in this growing in Christ category, and we're trying to figure out how to take that next step. Here at Westridge, I'm going to now contextualize this in, in, in Westridge words. We call these the three E's. So it's the same kind of thing where there's this kind of, uh, we identify this continuum of growth where we're growing deeper in our relationship with God, but we describe it as being in three uh, very distinct movements. And we believe in it so strongly, in fact, that we've made it our vision statement. So if you don't know, Westridge's vision statement is that we exist to help people encounter, embrace, and embody the radical love of God. So we describe these three movements as how it is that we grow deeper in God. And we really see it as our, as our role, um, our role in the church, as to help facilitate people moving through each of these three movements. So in Westridge terms, when we will call it encounter, which would be the first movement, which is helping people to encounter the radical love of God. This is where, as that first Peter passage says, that you're moving out of the darkness and into the light, right? So, albeit we may be standing on the edge of the light, but we're in the light enough to know that it's really good in the light, right? It's really a good place to be. It's where we want to be. And so, we're, this is this, where the survey calls it as exploring Christ. Whatever you want to call it, this is where we're taking our very first step towards God. This is our very first step toward the realization that God is good. His love, his grace, his forgiveness is something that I want in my life. 
But then, taking that next step, that's kind of the critical step in moving forward in our relationship with God, which is the second movement, and that is embracing the radical love of God, as we describe it, or as the survey describes it, and we kind of lump those two middle categories in together, which is growing in Christ, or growing in Jesus, and growing close to Jesus. So this is the movement where we actually become followers of Jesus Christ. This is born out of the premise that there is more to this Christianity thing than simply coming to church on a Sunday morning. Embracing the love of God is more than just being religious. It's about changing your life. You you start putting into practice what the Bible teaches about how you should live, and we stop doing the things that God doesn't want us to do, and we start living in such a way that God wants us to, and there's this incredible personal development that occurs where literally we we just become a better person by being in God. And so what is it that causes us to move from this Sunday morning faith to embracing this life of following Jesus every single day? What is it that moves us from where we were once not a people, where we were once lost and we were just kind of swirling around, doing life as usual? We were living in the darkness, and by that I mean with no sense of purpose or direction, no connection, and life was pretty well meaningless. But when you take this next step and you embrace the radical love of God, all of a sudden you become his people. You become the people of God. And this is where we make a conscious decision to commit our lives and to live differently. This is where we do things like be baptized. This is where we start taking communion on Sunday mornings because it's meaningful now for us that Jesus died on the cross for my sin because I've received his Forgiveness. This is where we begin to take our faith to the next level. This movement has a lot to do with us connecting. So we're connecting to God. We, we realize there's something bigger than just us, and we're connecting to God. We're connecting into the life of Jesus. It's in this movement that we begin to connect into building uh, spiritual relationships with people who are on the same type of journey. I mean, if you haven't noticed over the la- course of the last year, Westridge kind of, I think we made a mistake and we got away from small groups for a while. And we've really tried to make a much more intentional, concerted effort towards small groups. And Eric Lacine is, is leading that now. And we just feel like people grow in groups where there's an intentionality that, that is born out of a group of people who are in the same place with the same struggles trying to, trying to make it. So connection is like this huge part of this part of the, of, the, of the journey. And I think that just becoming part of the fabric of a church where you're connecting and contributing is, is really, really important because the church is critical to the success of our faith process. And so if, if Westridge isn't a place where you feel like you can dig roots and go deep and become part of the church and join a small group and join a ministry team and volunteer and give money, if, if this isn't the place where you feel comfortable doing that, then go find a place that, that you do. Because it's such a critical part of our faith, we have to have that church where we feel comfortable digging in it. If Westridge isn't that place, then, then find some place that is. But if Westridge is that place, man, dig in. 
don't delay any longer because this is a critical step in getting unstuck and moving from this place to this place. So the next one gets a little dicey, right? That this third movement, this is the, we say, embodying the radical love of God. And it's also what the survey refers to as being Christ-centered. This is the tough one. This is the toughest place to get to, and that's why I'm guessing there's only 14% of us or so that would describe ourselves as being in this category. There's a real movement that occurs in our life to get from here to there. And, and I would say that it's the toughest place but because it requires a, a level of commitment and tenacity like we've never seen before. It, it Actually, it requires sacrifice. That's how I would describe it. it. It requires us to actually sacrifice to be in this place. And yet the Bible describes it as this is our goal. This is where we're striving to get that we can actually embody the radical love of God, that we can be like Jesus. Jesus would describe this as like this. In, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus says it like this. Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to embody me, they have to deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. So it certainly implies here that there is like a daily sacrifice, a daily commitment. This is not for the faint of heart. This is like for those of us who really, really, really want to live as the Bible wants us to live, to get that abundant life, this is it. It's about pouring your whole being into following Jesus. Now, What I also want to stop and say is, because I really hate this in the church, like I grew up in the church and I saw it all the time, when somebody felt like they were at this stage, they felt like they were the spiritually elite, right? They kind of walk around with a little bit of a swagger and, you know, quoting Bible scriptures and stuff and and kind of putting themselves up on a pedestal as being this really moral, great person. This ain't that. Like, when, when you get here... It's actually the opposite. Nobody really knows you there because there is such a level. I mean, mean, Christianity is built differently than the rest of the world, right? Like if you're in a company, you're always trying to get to the next level, get to the next rung on the ladder. In Christianity, it's like you're working your way down. You're, you're, You're becoming more humble and you are serving more is how I would describe it. It's in this movement that our life becomes about contribution. So if in the embracing part of Christianity, which is where a lot of us are, we feel good about the personal development that we've made and becoming better people as a result of following Jesus. Here, we take this huge leap, and it's not about personal development anymore. It's about everybody else. It's about making your life completely about contribution. How do I give back? How do I serve more? We fundamentally shift from the mindset of what does the world have for me? What does Christianity have for me? To what can I contribute back to this world? What can I contribute back to the Christian faith? How do I use my money, my gifts, my time, my personality to make a difference in the world? I found it interesting that in this survey, it was also taken by more than 850 churches and 235,000 people. So there were some good statistics that came out of here. 
And oddly enough, the survey revealed the same thing that Jesus taught 2,000 years ago, which is that the number one way that people get out of their spiritual slump, the greatest way that most people grow spiritually is to serve. Serving triggers spiritual growth. Serving experiences are the catalyst of spiritual growth because serving tends to take us out of our comfort zones and causes us to live by faith, where we're taking our eyes off of our own problems, our own junk in our life that we're dealing with, and by faith we believe God will take care of that, and we're focused in on helping other people. We're focused in on making a difference in other people's lives. We're focused in on the needs that they have and seeing what we can do for them, becoming the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in a very, very dark world. I love what the creators of the survey came out of this saying, serving other people is something people need the most, even if they don't know they want it. So you may not know it yet, but you know what you want. You want to get unstuck? You want to grow spiritually and take your relationship with God to the next level? I have one word for you. Serve. Look, I hope, I hope you realize that I'm not, again, describing that there's some three-step process to get you from here to here. There is no magic formula. Uh, spiritual growth is not this linear process where we keep growing and growing and growing until we finally, you know, grow ourselves right into heaven. I, I, it just doesn't happen that way for me anyway. Maybe it does for you. I mean, for me... Spiritual growth is messy, and about the time I figure out one aspect of the Christian faith, I completely screw up another one. It's like, you know, one step forward and two steps back for me all the time. But I will tell you this. The only thing that I have seen that can move us into this embodiment phase, this Christ-centered stage of faith, is... Gratitude. Gratitude. And that's what he's touching on in that passage when he says, for once you were without mercy. Once, when you were outside of God, all of your sin, all of your past, there was really no hope about that, right? There was really no hope of forgiveness. There's no, like, reboot. It's, like, there, and you're dealing with it. But when you come into the grace of God there's this complete shift that occurs where there is a clean slate that happens and all of a sudden you get it. Like when you get how bad we were, I mean, when I look at my past and realize the crap that I have done and to see that God loves me anyway, there's something in my head that goes, wow, that is a radical love. That is so different. After all the things that I've been through, that I could sit here and feel like I have a clean slate. Where I could stand before God and feel like I am sin-free because of the forgiveness of God. It's when we get that, that it changes everything. Because then, we're just so grateful. We're so thankful for what God has done for us that we just want to do something. And that something flows out of us in the form of of worship, where we actually stand here. Isn't it crazy that we'll stand here on a Sunday morning and sing these songs? 
But it's not about singing it. It's about those words that, that lead us, that, that cause us to say thank you to God for what he's done for us. The craziness of giving. Giving your money is crazy to a church. But when we're hitting this embodiment stage, you know, we move from this embracing stage where we want to give because of what God has done for us, and we, so we tithe and we'll give on a regular basis. But when we hit this embodiment phase, we want to give sacrificially. You know why? Because we can't say thank you enough. We move from volunteering on a Sunday morning because that's what God asks us to do, but to then, in this next movement, to sacrifice in our serving, where we do things that nobody else would do for that person. Where (laughs) when you do that thing for that person, you just go, I can't even believe that I just did that. There's this sacrificial component where we're making this commitment and this sacrifice that we've never known before because what happens is the, the way that God designed life is that the more of ourselves that we give away, the greater abundance of life that we have, the greatest satisfaction of life that we have. This is what Jesus was talking about when he says, I've, ca- I've come not so that you could live life as usual, but so that you could give everything and at the end of your life know you have lived. You've had this abundant life. When you stop and you look at your life, and you look at where you're at, and you kind of think of where you want to be, what's that look like? How do I move from here to here? How do I get that life where I can live for God with such a passion, where I'm not going through the motions of religion anymore? It goes way beyond just coming to church on a Sunday morning and being a good moral person. It's pouring my whole self into something. How do I get that? I don't have the secret to how we get unstuck spiritually because Lord knows, I'm just telling you, I get stuck all the time. But best I can figure. It's this constant fight where every day we don't back down from the tough choices. Every day we don't back down from the sacrifices that are so easy that to pass off. Where every day we're trying to make a difference and we're scraping and we're struggling and we're just emptying out all of the junk of this world that that seeps in all the time and it's like completely dishing that out so we can continually fill our lives up more and more with Jesus. If you're like me, you're just tired. Tired of living life as usual. And we need something different. Something more. 
something with a greater sense of, of purpose and direction. And we are so hungry to have a life that is meaningful. But the question is this. Are we willing, do we have the guts, do we have the courage to actually take our faith and to make the tough choices that aren't comfortable, that don't always feel good, that take us out of our comfort zone and do things differently and to live differently. And I can't tell you what exactly that looks like because I'm telling you, every day it's different. But you know what it is because every day we face it and there is a tingle inside of you that says, this is what I need to do. And every day we take that step to make a difference. Every day we change. Every day we become a little bit more like Jesus. The greatest tragedy in this life and the thing that I am afraid of the most is that I will come to the end of my life and realize that I have not made a difference that my life was meaningless. That all I did was the daily grind. That all I did was try to make money. I'm scared to death of that. I want to be able to live a life where I look back 